0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're
1: continuing this series that we've called, You've Already Got It. I want you to say that with me. Say, I've already got it. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. That's where we're going to begin reading in just a moment. But sometimes we as Christians, we're like those dogs chasing our tail. What do I mean by that? We're actually chasing something that God has already given us. You know, and when it comes to our relationship with God, many people believe, they believe that God can do anything. We believe that God can do anything, but yet few really understand what God's already done for them, what he's already done for them. And so what happens is we can literally spend our lives chasing something that God has already given us, just like a dog chasing his tail. And what we need, my church family and those watching online, we need a revelation of what God has already done in our life. This is why when Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he was writing to the believers there. He wasn't writing that God would give them something. Here's what he was writing. He was writing that their eyes would actually be open to what God had already given them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And so when Paul says we have been blessed, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that that is in the past tense. He says we have been blessed with some spiritual blessing. No. He says with all spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And then he says God chose in us. I love that. In him, actually, in Jesus, God chose in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless. But he chose us in him. So we are complete in Christ. How many of you believe that today? That we are complete in Christ. That Christ is complete. And you know what? God has given us all spiritual blessing in Jesus. But Jesus is in us. And we are in him. Him, And so my church family, when it comes to life, and I don't know how many of you have ever been in a battle or you have a battle, you're believing for healing or you're believing for something. You know, I've been in in many battles. Here's the great thing. I don't have to chase victory like a dog chasing its tail. Because here's the reality. Jesus already won the victory for you and I. In his death, burial, and resurrection, he conquered the grave. He is victorious. How many of you believe that our God is victorious? Can you say a good amen today? So what I do is I don't focus on chasing the victory. Here's what I need to do. I need to just focus on enforcing the victory that God has already won. And that is my focus. That's where I put, I don't have to chase healing because Jesus already gave it to me. So what does that mean? Does that mean that there's not any problems? Of course there's problems, but here's what it is. here's, Here's what I'm saying by this. And what I think we have to understand because all of us fight sickness. You may have a diagnosis even today that the doctor has spoken over you, but the Bible says we are blessed with all spiritual blessing. So because of what Paul says and the healing is already here, I am a healed person fighting sickness. I am not a sick person trying to get well like a dog chasing its tail. And so when you look at the New Testament and you look at how the disciples who became apostles, how they act, this is they acted from a revelation of this of this mindset that we already have it. We are already blessed. We are already anointed. They lived with that resurrection, with that revelation. And my church family, if we can get this in us today, I think we can flip the world upside down like the apostles did. Can you say a good amen today? And something happens in you when you realize you already got it. When you already got, say, I already have it. I'm not trying to get it. When that revelation becomes alive in you, it changes the way you face challenges in life. And I'm going to tell you this, it actually changed the way you pray. And so here's what I want to do in Acts chapter three, verse one, if you found it yet, we're going to look at Peter and how he deals with a man who is sick and has challenges. Acts chapter three, verse one, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from His mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful. What was the name of the gate? Beautiful. To ask alms from those who entered the the temple and seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankles, bones received strength. So he was leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw walking, uh, all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the gate beautiful of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened To him. I've entitled today's message in this series that we're doing. I've already got it. I've entitled today's message, We Have to Give What We Got. I love this story for many reasons. There's a couple things that I I love about this is that what Peter and John are doing. I want you to focus on this because I think it's important. They had spent so much time with Jesus and Jesus had ascended, they had received the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know where they're going they're still going to church. They're still going to the temple. You know, there's this idea that I hear. And as I read some things online here, how people are saying that church is not important. Going to the temple is not important. And I know we are the temple. I know that the church is not a building, but my church family, Peter and John did not neglect gathering together at the temple. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that they would gather together in the temple courtyard and they would gather in people's homes. And it says that they enjoyed the favor of people. How many of you know, we need each other. Can I hear a good amen today? But there's this thought where people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I was reading online. This one lady said, you know, Jesus never went to church uh, when he was on the earth. And I said, okay, I understand maybe there's a difference in the word church. They use the word temple, but my church family, when Jesus was 12 years old and he was lost, guess where his parents found him at 12 years old at the temple. And Jesus went to the temple and he read. And it would be so easy for Peter and John to say, "Man, we were with Jesus. We saw the miracles. We don't need to go to the temple. We don't need to go to church." But you know what? They went every day. The Bible says, and they met together. And here's what I want to tell you: If Peter and John needed it, we need it. Can I hear a good amen today? If Peter and John did it, uh, then we should do it. I think it's funny because we live in an era where people want biblical results. But but they don't want to do what's in the Bible. The word works. The word works. The word works. But if there was anybody that said, ah, we don't need to go to the temple... It could have been Peter and John, but I find them, I love what they're doing. They're going and here's what happens. They see a man who is is lame and he's at the gate, beautiful. And there's another thing I love about the story is that this miracle happens even before the praise and worship and before the message starts, it happens outside with the greeters. It happens outside before people are walking in, Peter and John are walking up and they see this lame man. You know, the Bible says that this man could not walk Actually, that's he was born this way. And so I think he's about 38 years old. The scripture tells us for 38 years, he's never walked. And the Bible says that his friends or family literally had to carry him. There were things that he could not do for himself. My church family, he was dependent on other people. And if you've been coming to our church for a while, you know something about me. I love to look up Greek words because in the Bible, nothing is insignificant. And I thought, what an interesting name for a gate the beautiful gate. And so I looked that up in the Greek and I thought, what does gate mean in the Greek? You know, this word gate that he was sitting next to, it means this flourishing, blooming. It means to have vigor in life. Watch this. So every day people were carrying this man to the gate. You know, in that time in the temple, blind people and lame people were not allowed in the temple. And so what they did is they would carry him close to the gate, close. He was, listen, he was close to a life that was flourishing. He was close to a life that was blooming. But you know what? In man's own strength, he could never get to that Flourishing life. And that's why I think the Bible says when I was thinking about this, the Bible says those who are planted in the house of God will flourish, will flourish. So if he could just get through those gates, he could get into what the Bible talked about a flourishing life, but he wasn't allowed in. And through man's own power, they could carry him and get him close to a flourishing life but they couldn't get him a flourishing life. But what he needed was the power of God. And so thank God that Peter and John are walking up to the gate. And I believe today, if we're going to give what we have, we have to understand and make a decision. My church family, here's number one, we've got to make a decision that we're not going to settle for a surface level living. We're not going to settle for a service level, a surface level living. See, oftentimes, what happens, like this layman, he was asking for money. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but here's what I've learned what people think they need is not always what they need. What you think you need is not always what you need. See, he was expecting money now, but what he really needed was a healing. He was expecting money, but what he really needed was a healing. Now, listen, money would have kept him alive. We all need money, right? Money would have kept him alive. But listen, he needed power to thrive, not just stay alive. He needed a power, a power from God. My church family, I just want to submit this to you. Not every problem in life is a money problem. Not every life, not every problem in life. Life is more than money. But for some of us, that becomes the goal in our life. And see, so sometimes we think we need something. And actually, what we really need is something way much deeper. You know, you think, man, if I just get that raise, if we can get the raise, man, and you know what? You get the raise, but you know what? Your marriage is still suffering because money didn't solve the problem. Can I hear a good amen today? I know people that have been diagnosed with some illness and they've got the money, but they still can't buy a healing. Are you here this morning? And so sometimes we think and what we think we need is not always what we need because you can get the raise. I'm for you getting the raise. You can get the new car or nowadays, come on somebody, you can get the new husband, you can get the new wife, you can get the new boyfriend and that's what you thought you need. But actually what you need is below the surface. What you need is way deeper than surface level. My church family in 30 years of, of counseling people and helping people, here's what I've learned. For every problem, there's an underlying need. For every fruit, there's always a root. We can deal with the fruit, but until you deal with the root, the fruit won't change. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? So if we will change the root, we can change the fruit. See, this is what religion does. Religion focuses on the outside and the behavior. It focuses on the fruit. But here's what grace does. Grace focuses on the root of the problem, which is sin. And that's why the Bible says, and Paul talks about in Ephesians, it's by grace through faith that we are saved. It's not of ourselves. And if we can get that and we can get into the root, it'll change the fruit. Are you here this morning today, my church family? So sometimes what we need is not what we think we need. See, help is the surface level. You know, I don't know if you know that, but it's possible to want help but not want to be healed. People want help. They want the surface. They want to deal with the symptoms, but they don't want to deal with the root. And so the help is the surface level. But listen, God desired healing, which was underneath the surface for this man. God desired to deal with the root. And here's the great news today. We don't have to settle for surface level living. Can I hear a good amen today? God wanted this man to go from the land of just enough to the land of more than enough watch this God didn't want him to sit next to a gate called beautiful and not experience a beautiful life God didn't want him to sit next and close to a life that was flourishing and not get to walk into that beautiful life and I want to encourage you today I don't know where you are you may feel like you're this close right to a a flourishing blooming life and you just can't get there but I have good news today you already got what you need and he's going to get what he needs because too many men, Peter and John actually understand that they got it. Can I hear a good amen today? But we we have to do is we have to shift our expectation. Are you ready to go a little bit deeper? And so Peter and John come up and they see him and the man is asking for money. And Peter says this, silver and gold have I none. Man, I don't have my credit card on me. I'm sorry, I can't vimo you. I can't cash app you. I don't have my wallet. I don't have any cash. Silver and gold have I none. Here's number two. If we're gonna give what we got, we have to realize that you're not enough is enough. Let me say that again. You're not enough is enough. What do I mean by that? Peter was honest about what he didn't have. Silver and gold, I just don't have. I don't have. And how many of you know we can't give what we don't have? And so what happens, many people stop right here. Because I feel like I don't have this or that, it becomes an excuse. And so what we start to do is we start looking at what we're lacking all the time. And you could fill in the blank. Well, Pastor Phil, I just don't feel like I, you know, I can't sing like those girls sang today, man. They sounded like angels, didn't they? Can you give them a good round of applause? They do such a great job. Man, I don't. I don't have that type of voice. I can't, you know, Phil, I can't stand up there and talk to people like you talk to them. I can't, I know, but here's the question. What can you do and what do you have? You may not have what I have, but you have something that God has given to you. And so what happens is we always look at what we're lacking and it's important to know this. The enemy is always wanting to capitalize on your limitations, capitalize on your weaknesses. Peter could have said, silver and gold have I none. I'm sorry, but you know what? I don't have what you need. And he could have walked away, which most people would have done because they're limited in their thinking and they don't know what they have. Or Peter could have given him money. He could have given him money. And guess what? It would have helped. It would have helped him, but it were, there would have been no miracle. There would have been no miracle, my church family. So if we're going to give what we have, here's number three. We have to understand what God has given us and what has given you is more than enough to fill the gap of what you don't have. I'm going to say that again. What God has given you, what God has invested in you is more than enough to fill the gap of what you don't have. How many of you believe that today? So watch what Peter said. Peter said, silver and gold. Have I none? He didn't let his limitations limit what he could do, but here's what he said What I do have, I give to you. What I do have, I give to you. Tell your neighbor real quick say, Give what you got. Give what you got. I don't have a voice. Pastor Phil, I I can't preach. I can't sing. I know, but can you love some people? Can you put a smile on your face? Can you volunteer and sign up and say, hey, I want to be a greeter. Hey, I want to to serve in the house of God. I can love on some kids. I want to teach some kids. I can play some games. What do you got? We all have something, but we have to give what we got. And here's the cool thing about Peter. Peter knew what he had. See, some of us don't give what we have because we don't even know what we got. That's why I'm so glad you're here in this series that we've entitled, I Already Got It, because we want to help you understand what God has already invested in you. So you are not like that dog chasing its tail going, what is God going to do? I'm going to ask you, what has he already done in your life? Can I hear a good amen today? Peter knew what he had. Peter already knew that the power of God was working on the end Side of him. Listen, my church family, I'm going to say some things in this series that is going to challenge you. Peter was not waiting for God to empower him. Peter knew that God had poured out his spirit. Peter knew what Jesus had already done. Peter already knew what he had. He wasn't waiting. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, he says, now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works where? Come on, where does it work? It's in us. You already got it. There's power in there. There's already power. Are you ready? The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is already in You, the Bible says, and it quickens your mortal body. And here's the great thing, my church family. Listen, the same power that was in Peter is in you. The same power. The same power that was in Peter was in you. Now, are you ready? Peter gave what he had. He said, what I have, I give to you. And my church family, I love this because what Peter had to give was more powerful, more influential, more helpful than what money could ever do for this man. Actually, what Peter had, money could not buy. And I want you to get a revelation of that. What's inside of you. Sometimes we're looking for money. Sometimes we're putting our trust in here. And you already have what God has put on the inside of you. If you'll just start to live that way and start to give what you got, we could see miracles. Man, we could see miracles. This is why the enemy comes so hard at your life to keep you ignorant Of what you already have. That's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, we perish for a lack of knowledge. Notice, he doesn't say we perish for a lack of money. We perish for a lack of of knowledge. We don't perish for a lack of opportunities. We perish for a lack of knowledge. Because if you knew the power that was on the inside of you, you would live different. And you know what would happen? Instead of just coming to church, we would realize that we are the church and the world, what they need is not a bunch of confused Christians who are chasing their tail like a dog. What the world needs is to see the church in action, knowing who we are, walking in the power of God. Whew. This is why the enemy works so hard to keep you ignorant so you don't understand Because I want to tell you this. Don't you think that the lame man was really happy that Peter knew he already had it? Don't you think the lame man was happy that Peter was willing to give what he had? My church family, that lame man needed what was inside of Peter. Can I I bring it home today? People need what's inside of you. That's why you got to give what you got. Are you glad you came to church this morning? This man needed a miracle. He needed a miracle. And money couldn't buy it. And what his friends and family couldn't do, they could only carry him close to a life that was flourishing. But what Peter and John had was the power of God that would allow him to see a miracle And walk for the first time. You know, as you look in the New Testament, what you see a lot is you see these characteristics of people like Paul, Peter, and John. And what you see in their life is this revelation that they already had it. And so they live different. Watch this. They actually even prayed different. And what happened is their praying a lot of times turned into declaring. Instead of just praying, look what Peter did. Acts 3, 6, it says this. When Peter said, Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And here's number four. If we're going to give what we got. We have to understand, my church family, we have to be a decreer, not a beggar. Let me say that again. We have to be a decreer, not a beggar. All right. I'm going to tell you this. You may have never heard this, but this is in the text. Peter did not pray for this man to be healed. Peter did not lay his hands and say, God, if you're there. God, if it's your will, please heal this man. I got no money, God. And people are watching. Your name is on the line, Jesus. Oh, please, Lord. Speak a little bit of tongues. Who stole my Honda? Who stole my Honda? Where's my Kawasaki? Where's my Kawasaki? I know I'm having a little fun with this. I speak in tongues. I love it. But that's not what Peter did. Peter didn't even pray. Peter decreed. My church family, how could Peter decree? Because he knew what God had already done. Listen, Peter did not have to ask for healing. Because he knew that by Jesus's stripes. Pastor Phil, how do you know Peter knew that? Because 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he wrote, "'By whose stripes ye were healed.'" Healing took place when salvation took place. How do you know that, Pastor Phil? Psalms 103, verse 2, 3. David in the Old Testament said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Watch this. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. See, some of us are very secure in our salvation. If I were to ask you today, not everybody, but most people, if I were to ask you, does God forgive you? Does he forgive you today? Yes, you would say, right? And then tomorrow, if I asked you, does God, you would say, oh, yes. And I would say, but he forgave you yesterday. Are you sure he's going to forgive you? Most of us are so secure in our salvation. Most of us are so secure that we know that God forgives us and we should be. But then when it comes to healing, just like we're asking for forgiveness, we should be as sure as healing is for us, as forgiveness is for us. Can I hear a good amen today? And so we are you asking God to forgive you? And then going, I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will. Because some of us, I think we think when we ask God to forgive us, that at that point, Jesus is dying on the cross. My church family, he already died on the cross. Jesus, it's already done, and he's not going to do it again. It is finished. You are forgiven. And just as assured as you are in your salvation, we should be in the miraculous healing power of God. Can you give the Lord a good clap this morning? So what Peter declared wasn't trying to get God to do something. Peter was declaring what God had already done. This changed me. When you realize you have the power to declare. Now it wasn't just because Peter declared it. It was because Peter understood that he was a carrier of the greatest name in the universe. The name above every name, Jesus Christ that he understood that he had the authority and the power to speak that name and that that name was higher than the paralysis that was in this man's leg. You know, my son was diagnosed with asthma. My son was diagnosed with allergies, egg allergies, peanut allergies, all, all the allergies. Well, when I begin to understand the healing is here, it's here. Jesus died. We, the healing is available to us. I never put my hands on my son and said, "God, would you please heal my son?" You know what we started to do is we started to declare that He is healed, and we started to speak to those allergies and say, "You have no right to be in my son's body. He is a child of God." So what we did is we began to declare what Jesus says, "Speak to the mountain." Jesus says this, Mark chapter 11, verse 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Look what Jesus says. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is a mountain? A mountain is any problem that is standing between you and the promise of God. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now watch this. Here's what people do. Instead of speaking to the mountain, here's what we do. We talk to God about our mountain. Oh God, you know, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. If there's anybody that you need to open up your heart to, it needs to be God. Some people can't handle what you're going through. (laughs) And I'm all about talking feelings to God. God, help me not hate that person. I I, I talk to them like that. I need some, I know their strength, but I need some strength right now. Lord, move them away. Right? So I'm not saying don't talk to God. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I do. We do a lot of time. We talk to God about the healing. We talk to God about the mountain. My church family, that's not what God said to do. God is not going to speak to the mountain for you. What he said for you to do is not to talk to him about the mountain. He said for you to open up your mouth and speak to the mountain. Let me say it this way. Instead of you talking to God about your mountain, you need to talk to your mountain about your God. Come on, somebody. Oh, I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. So what are we doing? We're not praying, we're decreeing. That's what Jesus said to do. You speak to that mountain. I don't know what your mountain is. So here's what we did with my son. We started speaking to those allergies. No, my son can eat anything in the name of Jesus. Praise God. We come against these allergies. You have no right. I don't care if it's a sniffle. I don't care what it is. And we started to claim, asthma, you have no legal right to stay in his body. In the name of Jesus, you have to come out. Why? because it's already done it's already done and so i don't want to be like a dog chasing its tail and going jesus please heal my son oh jesus no here's what we need we need a manifestation of god's power but we have to decree it my church family god didn't save you and call you his own accept you into the brethren call you a child of god a son of god so you could be a beggar my son doesn't come to me and say dad please give me a bologna sandwich you know what he does that little guy, he goes into the refrigerator all by himself and he gets what he needs. My church family, we are not beggars. We are to be decreers. We are to decree over our families. We are protected. We have peace in the name of Jesus. We've got to speak to that mountain. Now, you know what? We went to go eat ice cream the other day. And um, so we're walking this out. It's a walk of faith. For us, we just didn't shove a peanut in his mouth, right? It's a walk of faith. We're we're taking it. We believe it. But there's got to be action to it as well. So the other day we went to get ice cream and um, we thought we were getting an egg-free ice cream, right? And uh, I won't mention the business that we went to, but it turns out after we ate it, uh, we talked to the guy. And he said, oh, no, that thing was full of egg. Can I just tell you something? Not one reaction in his body. Nothing, nothing. Now I know people who have prayed and decreed and guess what? When they did that, they ate and they they got a reaction, but here's what they say. They said, I already got it. I'm going to stand on it and I'm going to keep doing it. My church family, some of us are petitioning when we should be declaring. Now, let me, let me break this down before we close. The Bible talks about petitioning. The Bible talks about prayers of supplication. In other words, those are specific prayers, right? So let me give you some specific. If you're single, right, and ready to mingle, come on, somebody. You can pray specific prayer. God, I know you, I'm blessed. But Lord, and then you, you that's what my wife did. She had 60 things. <laughs> Her list was 60. 60, number one, number two, number a list of 60 things she wanted in a new, in a husband. Lord, I need a job. But here's, can I just tell you this? Once you ask, start thanking God. And have faith that he heard your prayer and he's already working. Lord, I thank you. You start to decree. God, I thank you that we have the job. We prayed for a house. You know, the Bible talks about in his promises, you know, if you leave your house, mother, wife, family for him, God says he will, he will return to you a hundredfold in this lifetime. We sold our house in Texas, everything. And we stood on that promise. And we begin to say, Lord, we thank you. And then we specifically outlined what we wanted in a house. And then we begin to declare, we thank you that we have the home. We thank you that we have the house. Yes, we begin to do that. But I'm just telling you when it's regarding healing and things that God has already done, you just need to begin to declare it. You need to begin to speak it in Jesus name. Why? Because it's already done. And so Peter says, what I have, I give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus. My church family, it's not a formula. It's not just because I say it. It's because of the power that you and I have been given to us by God. And you have the power to speak his name over anything that you are facing. He says in the name of Jesus. And he reached out his hand. Now, I want to close with this today. Man, this ignited some faith in this guy. I wonder if anybody spoke to him that way. Rise up and walk, man. I wonder if anybody had ever spoken to him without authority. But Peter did and John did. Now here's the reality. This man could have settled for a surface living life. He could have said, nope, I'm going to stay here. People are giving me money. This is what I'm doing. But he had to make a decision. My church family, we have to make a decision. Will I just sit here, stay in the same situation? Or am I going to try to get up and take a step? Listen, he doesn't even know what that means. He doesn't even know what that feels like. He was born never walking. Things that you and I take for granted, getting up every day. And I mean, it just comes second nature. He doesn't even know what that feels like. And then guess what? He says, I'm going to decide to take a step. My church family, that's what faith is. Listen, Faith is not just believing. You know, you can believe that God wants you healed and never tried to get up and do something that you've never done before. And you can believe that the Bible says in the book of James, Jim says that the demons believe and they just tremble. They don't do anything about it. I think it's interesting. You know, when you talk to atheists, I'm like, even the devil believes that there's a God. Come on, somebody. They don't do anything, but they believe that there's a God. But here's the difference. You can believe that God can heal you. You can believe that he wants to heal you, but never take the step of faith to say, I'm going to do what I couldn't do before. Can I hear a good amen today? Because faith acts on what it believes. There has to be action today. If you believe God heals you, then you know what? Then you got to get up, do something you were unable to do. And when this man took a, hand, a hold of Peter's hand and got up, the Bible says immediately strength came to his feet. It was imparted to his feet. And not only did he walk, he was jumping up. And the Bible says people were in awe of God's power because Peter and John gave what they got. Today I'd like to close, if you'll uh, direct your attention towards the screen here for just a minute. Um, As I was talking to a man in our church, he was telling me his testimony and how um, he was diagnosed with MS. He was diagnosed um, with not being able to walk again. And they also told him he had a year to live. And I asked him, I said, man, can we film your testimony? He said, absolutely. And uh, what God had done is just amazing. So if you'll just watch the screen for a minute, I want you to introduce you to Mark and Elsa and hear Mark's testimony.
0: Hi, my name's Mark Gaver. And I'm Elsa, and we've been married for 38 years. We have two beautiful daughters, two great son-in-laws, and three grandkids. I joined the military in 1983. I was a radar technician, which is I was able to fix things for different companies so that they would be able to detect the enemy's fire that was coming in from the air. It helped a lot of people as far as the war in Kuwait I was serving we had to hurry up and camouflage a truck so that we could not be seen by the enemy Uh, as we were hurrying I went up some steps on the side of the truck and the next thing I knew I fell from six feet Um, I landed on my back with my gas mask underneath me Um, it hurt a lot but at the time I knew that we had to get the stuff finished So I just carried along and did uh, my job. A little while later, as I was in the chow line, I was standing there and next thing I knew, I fell forward and hit my head on a rock which cut it open and it was bleeding. And they wanted to know what was wrong. So they sent me to sick call where the doctors looked at me and they didn't think anything was wrong. So, later on as I kept trying to do things they ended up giving me crutches and I still was falling. Well, I had a very sharp pain and the next thing I knew I couldn't move my leg. They did an MRI and finding out that I had a huge bruise on my spinal cord, they sent me to the states. As part of my care, uh, I went through many tests, one of them being a spinal tap where they take fluid out of your spinal cord and they do a test to find out if uh, you have neurological damage. The doctor uh, gave the diagnosis and they determined that I had MS. They also said I would not be able to walk and stated that I would have one year to live. I was uh, pretty bad off. I could not walk. I was having trouble using my arms. I couldn't even hold my head up. When I heard the diagnosis, it it, it hurt my heart. Mark was always the life of the party. He always made everybody laugh. He strived to make people happy. We would go hiking. We would go down on the beach and and just walk and and do things with our girls. We have a one-year-old and a four-year-old and I thought about all the things that he wasn't going to get to do with them like be at their graduations um, walk them down the aisle when they got married and it just it was really really hard. When I was in the wheelchair a lot of scriptures came to mind. I knew that God loved me for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I knew that God had done miracles. He fed the 5,000. He he went and healed a blind man and he even healed a lame man that four friends brought him to Jesus. And I just had to cling to those miracles. I knew that God wanted me to be whole. He wanted me to be someone that he could utilize and use to further his kingdom and to bring glory to his name. The only way that I knew to do that was to believe what he said. I needed to step out on faith, to make faith an action and to get up and walk. Um, My legs hurt. I had to pull myself up at first. And I just kept on it, on and on agreeing with God and saying, yes, God, I know you want me to live more abundantly. I know you want great things for my life. I am going to believe your word and I'm going to step out literally in faith. So I worked every day with that walker. I fell a few times. After seven months had went by, I was finally able to walk without a walker. It's been 31 years. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm up walking, enjoying life, playing with my grandkids. I'm so thankful that God has been able to use me in a mighty way. I've been able to start children's ministries, been able to work with youth. I've been able to start a camp for Christians. I've just been so blessed and I've been so thankful that God would want to use me. I mean, I was in a wheelchair. I was felt useless and God picked me up And use me for his glory. And I will praise him every single day for that.
1: This morning with us as we close today. Would you stand? These last couple of minutes, I I just want to put into practice everything that, that we learned today. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? You know, I know a lot of people are facing different things today. And I want to remind you of the power of God that's inside of you today. I want to remind you what's available to you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to close the service today by declaring some things over your life. But here's the thing, not only me declaring it, but I want to close today with you declaring over your own life, what needs to be declared. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what diagnosis, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the battle is, but I'll tell you what, the victory is already won. Can I hear a good amen today? The victory is already won, but yeah, you can give the Lord a great round of applause today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, father in Jesus name, we just thank you today for the power that's already in us, that's already been given to us, that we've already got it. So that means every symptom, every diagnosis that has been declared over our body, you have declared a higher decree. And so in agreement with that today, Father God, we decree your word over our lives. Lord, I come against every sickness in the name of Jesus, every allergy in the name of Jesus, even for those watching right now online. Father God, we declare right now that they have no right to stay in people's bodies. Father, I thank you that depression has no right to stay in our bodies, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thoughts, we come today and we thank you that we can pull down those thoughts, those imaginations and, and say in Jesus' name, today we have peace. We have peace of mind in the name of Jesus. We speak that name. Come on, church family, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just begin to speak over your own life. Come on, I want you to begin to declare right now in your with your mouth today what, what needs to be decreed over your life. I don't know what your you're facing whether it's financial lack or sickness or disease come on call that thing out and say in Jesus name come on lift up your voice this morning say you have no right to stay in my body i am healed i am the healed of the lord in jesus name i am not lacking i thank you that you are my provider i am blessed with all spiritual blessing in jesus mighty name i thank you that my eyes can see i thank you father god that my legs are working my back is healed. I am the healed of the Lord in the name of Jesus. We declare that over our lives today. You can't have us. We will live and we will die. Enemy, you cannot have us today. You cannot. I know your plans and I know today that you want to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives, but you won't anymore in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause today. Now, before I close, here's what I want to tell you. If you walk out of here and you still hear the symptoms, you still feel the symptoms, what are you going to do? You don't say, well, nothing happened. Here's what you do. You continue to declare what you already have. You continue to de- Don't give up, my church family, just like Mark. And I thank Mark and Elsa for sharing his Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.